0: The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee. Ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit UnitedGatewayCard.com to apply. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want.
1: Hello oh, and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your Sampson Samson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors' overtime loss to the Indiana Pacers. This one was on the road, so tough game to go after having a back-to-back and obviously <laughs> making that 30-point comeback versus the Mavericks in Toronto, heading out to Bank Life Fieldhouse in Indiana, then trying to take the Pacers there. Pacers without Brogdon, Raptors without, well, I guess it's a litany of people. Stanley Johnson, Matt Thomas, Gasol, Powell, Siakam. the works. Everybody's familiar with this at this point. There's a lot of injuries on this team, but the Raptors, they had a lot of fight in them. And fresh off of Kyle Lowry being picked as the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, the Raptors, they relied on him in this game a great deal. He was really, really good, really impressive, and almost pulled the Raptors through for a win. But they, it didn't end up happening in this one, and that was, you know, that's just how the game works sometimes. Early on, it was pretty clear that the Pacers were going to have an advantage on the inside. Miles Turner went to work early on OG Ananobi, who was playing at the four, Patrick McCaw at the three, Fred and Lowry filling out the backcourt spots, Ibaka starting at the five, but Sabonis and Turner were definitely able to, depending on who had OG Ananobi at the time, who was definitely not weak or small, just not ideal size for the power forward position give up some offense to miles turner early on so bonus as well acting as the central hub for the pacers offense they do a lot of dribble handoffs with him a lot of cuts to the rim they operate with him out of the high post and they use him as a hub for their offense they do a lot of cuts around him it is a little bit similar to what you see from the nuggets sometimes with jokic operating through him letting all the diminutive guards make their cuts Flash cuts to get to the bucket, V cuts to get in, open for three, just a lot of action around him as the central hub, and they went to that early, and with some success for sure, they came out pretty strong, a lot of motion in their offense, really beating the Raptors with the ball, and that was something that came and went, the Raptors intermittently switching to zone in this game, sometimes, man sometimes zone, and a pretty good mix of that, especially after the Pacers started out well, shooting the ball really well, making good basket cuts, as I said before, and getting out to a 19-9 opening lead against the Raptors. The Raptors on the other side having some trouble hitting their open shots, having trouble even creating open shots, and having to rely on, for the start of the game, definitely Serge Ibaka as a release valve, and Kyle Lowry as well. And things did keep trending that way. The Raptors lagging behind for a large part of this game. And because the offense isn't coming super easily to them, they're definitely missing their number one offensive option in Pascal Siakam. Kyle is very grifty. He's very creative. He's a savant offensively. He creates some really good looks for his teammates. He creates a lot of free throw opportunities for himself. This is one of his highest free throw rate seasons. I think it's top four. The other three, I believe, well, three other ones of the top five, actually, sorry. This one's top five. Three of the other top five came in his first three years in the league. The other one might have been 2015-16. I can't remember, but he's getting to the line a lot more than we're used to, especially with last year, him really shying away from contact, being more of a guy who just passes out of the pick and roll, setting up either Valentinus at the start of the year and Ibaka for the whole year Gasol as well but seeing Lowry shift into the guy on this team who's going to be taking a lot of shots and it, the team the way they're playing definitely does necessitate that is an interesting thing and in watching him pull them up the hill offensively to get them to a point where they go to overtime in this game and at this point in the game I'm talking about now down 42-29 to 29, definitely laboring offensively the Pacers have a really good defense, they're really disciplined, so they're not sagging too far off of shooters. The Raptors shooters in particular, OG Ananobi, he needs a lot of room if he's wide open. He's going to kill you from downtown for sure, but really good closeouts, really good at trying to force him to put it on the floor. It did take away a lot of his effectiveness as a shooter early on, Lowry trying to coax the defense into, into collapsing on him, then making good passes, but the Pacers... They, they can scramble just as well as the Raptors. And the Raptors on the other end scrambling a bit. The Pacers really whipping that ball around. Sabonis, super active to go get the ball, setting great screens. Everybody who's playing around him making lots of really fast cuts. The relocation is pretty rapid. And them getting to a lot of open shots early on. And the Raptors, they go into half down 10. It looks like maybe they won't have enough to get there. But who's to say, right, because we just watched this team come back from 30 points down and that ended up being similar in this game. The Raptors, evidenced by, you know, them being there in overtime, it means that they were there and that they did come all the way back, at the very least, not for a win, but to be present in overtime. And in the second quarter, the the Pacers, the three-point shooting slowed down a little bit. They obviously had a very hot streak to start. Miles Turner's canning from downtown. Those types of things are happening. And Miles Turner can shoot, but he ended up making five in this game or something outrageous. So definitely things were trending in a good direction for the Pacers. They're 29th in the league in three points made, I believe. And that's maybe 29th in three points attempted, maybe 28th in three-pointers made. It's not a huge facet of their game. They really like to work through Sabonis, get guys going towards the rim. They, They just don't take a lot of triples. And all that on top of the Raptors not being able to play the pace that they really like. The game slowed down immensely in the second quarter. A lot of whistles, whether it was really ticky-tacky reaching calls, or moving screens, or loose ball fouls. Just a lot of whistles. Nick Nurse got a technical foul for throwing his hands up in the air and walking away. The broadcast was lamenting about it for some time, and it was... It's definitely odd. You usually have to say something quite out of pocket to get a technical foul as a as a coach, but to see somebody just get it for throwing their hands up in the air and walking away, Nick Nurse was pretty confounded by it, and he was definitely not a fan of it, obviously. I'm not a referee guy. I don't really like to comment on the ref the referees, but it was an odd whistle, and especially so in that first half. It was definitely... I consider myself pretty objective with refs, but it definitely trended pro pacers, I guess I would say, and that's that's not such a big deal. The Raptors, they had to play some better basketball to get in it regardless, but the refs had an, a, a significant impact on how the first half of the game played out because there's a reason this game took so long. It was a really long game, but that first half was at a snail's pace. There was really nothing happening. There was an altercation with Kyle Lowry and a fan in which Kyle Lowry was very well behaved, but a fan said something obviously out of pocket and Kyle pointed him out. Doug McDermott was on fire for a moment. The Raptors were behind the ball getting rained on from downtown. Whole bunch of things happening, but you look at the the clock and maybe only four minutes have passed in the quarter and you're wondering what the hell is going on here and then you see how many whistles have been blown, how many reviews, whatever else, right? And so the Raptors, they go into halftime, down 10, and it seems like they've played three quarters already. But the third quarter, definitely, that was the huge quarter for the Raptors. They won it 35-24, to started off with two triples from OG, Serge Ibaka hitting jumpers, and Serge definitely was a good release valve in this game. Offensively, man, left a lot to be desired on the defensive end. Really tough to see that... The the Pacers they shot a really high percentage on him at the rim. He was not super effective on the help side, and that's okay. But the Raptors they really needed his offense for those stretches because he was a really great release valve. And Chris Boucher, while super active and probably had a better defensive game than Ibaka, he also he was it seemed like he had butter on his hands and was losing some balls. And when Lowry is grinding away trying to create these baskets. It's tough to see that the bounce pass is perfectly placed, goes to Boucher, and he the ball slips out of his hand, and it goes out of bounds. Those types of things are happening, so you're wondering, okay, should they close with Boucher, or is it more important to have Ibaka as the guy who can hit the shot? And Ibaka was definitely hitting leads in this one. He was fantastic offensively. Regardless, though, Nick Nurse did throw some zone at the Pacers. The Pacers did have a bit of zone for the Raptors as well, but in that third quarter, riding the hot hands of Ibaka, of OG, and then Lowry after that. And as I said, Lowry was absolutely top-notch in this game. He was fantastic. But the Raptors throwing zone at the Pacers and quelling them quite well on offense and scoring decently on the other end of things and getting back into this game. Got the Pacers lead down to three. The Pacers, Aaron Holiday, TJ Warren, doing some work in the mid-range, you know, Damanis bonus, getting the odd layup, odd free throws, keeping the Raptors at bay, at arm's length, around five points. But that was all a precursor to a fantastic Lowry stretch to end the third quarter in which he got the Raptors the lead. Two triples and a layup. He executed the two-for-one perfectly. It was en fuego, and it was so much fun to see. It made it seem like really the Raptors were probably going to come back and take this thing. We've been pretty spoiled as far as comebacks work recently and seeing the Raptors come all the way back, go up one with 0.2 seconds left because Lowry skies to the rim and lays it in 0.2 seconds left. It's 79 to 78. Things are looking good for the Raptors. They just have to close out that final quarter. Tough breaks though, right? And Lowry, he kept going to work to start the fourth quarter, but there did come a point in time where he needed a break. We see Van Vleet come in. Terrence Davis come in and Terrence Davis the cojones on this guy because he had two massive triples shortly after coming in and that was after being 0 for 5 up to that point it's he has no conscience if he does something bad he either learns from it or just forgets it because he thinks it'll negatively impact how he plays further and going forward so it's it's unbelievable to watch this guy play but being a rookie coming into a game like this that's it's, it's pretty intense, and he comes in and just cashes triples, and Fred VanVleet kept pushing towards the rim, and the Raptors, they stayed on top until Lowry was able to get back into the game, Fred pushing every single time in transition. Even if it doesn't look like the Raptors can get there, he's pushing the ball way forward. He's creating those three-on-two opportunities for the Raptors. He's running relentlessly at the rim, and he's he's putting in the work, and the Raptors, they needed that, and it was a great stretch from Fred. Even if the shot-making wasn't unbelievable tonight from him. Well, not from downtown, I should say. He he did pretty well at the rim. There was a lot to like about his downhill play. He definitely he passed the ball well enough for me. And so seeing that, I thought when they, when Lowry came back into the game and they had Van Vliet and Lowry in, I thought that the Raptors would be able to pull it out. But the Pacers, they're like a zombie team. Man, They they hit some shots down the stretch. Game was tied at ninety-nine. Fred hit this massive triple where he's just triple threading, triple threading, six feet back from the three-point line, near the forty-five out to the out of bounds, and put it up, canned a triple. Holiday working in the pick and roll on the other side though, getting to the mid-range hitting shots. TJ Warren as well. Holiday cans a triple. He just walked into that one. The Raptors were playing zone defense. Lowry and Van Leet were trying to decide how to operate at the top of it. Who was going to take the bonus at the top? They went under and Holiday hit it. The next play, they ran this, you know, a really nice play where Warren, he sunk to the corner. He hit a corner triple to put the Pacers up two. There was maybe 40 seconds left. Lowry, he ran down the floor, took a great outlet pass, got up the floor. Looked like it might have been an end one, took a lot of. He took a pounding from Warren anyway, put the ball up, laid it in with 34 seconds left, I believe. The Raptors got it back with roughly 17 or 18 seconds after the Pacers had missed. Ojean Nobi got a rebound, and Lowry had a massive step-back triple that came off the front iron, and the Raptors ended up going to overtime. And that really just was too bad for the Raptors because the Pacers, who, as I said earlier in the podcast, are not a fantastic Shooting team from downtown. They they made I believe it's four out of six triples in overtime and in five minutes four triples. That's that's twelve points and Miles Turner having this heave type of triple to open up overtime. The Raptors, Kyle Lowry in particular, really manufacturing buckets. His pick and roll play was pretty immaculate. He was doing a fantastic job getting to the rim. Getting to the floater area and creating baskets there, but the the Pacers they were able to create looks for their guys. Miles Turner being able to stretch the floor as a pick and pop guy really did elevate how the rest of the Pacers were able to space out the floor and run around Sabonis. Miles Turner hit a three on a pick and pop. Aaron Holiday hit two triples himself, and the Raptors they just didn't have enough. There was a great hammer play that Nick Nurse ran, I believe, with 29 seconds left to get Lowry a great look at an open three. He really was wide open. He did end up missing it. Some fans were talking trash afterwards, and Kyle Lowry, he let him know that he has a ring pointing to his finger and making it look like he was touching a ring on his finger and saying, yeah, well, I got this. So this game really doesn't mean that much. I'd like to win, of course, but, you know, I won a bigger thing. I won the championship last year, so don't talk to me like that. That type of thing. And the Raptors, they did end up losing 120 to 115. And this would have been a really fun game to win. That would have been a five game win streak going into Christmas. But hey, them's the breaks. You know, it's not always going to work out for you. And the Raptors already came back from a 30 point lead last game. And that was just last night. Well, last afternoon, I suppose. It was a matinee game in Toronto. But it's really something to watch this Raptors team compete and. They did come up short, but it's it's good basketball. This is an entertainment conglomerate, the NBA, and the Raptors are at the forefront of it. We get to watch them. I get to talk about them. This is my job. It's a cool thing for me. And as a fan, they're fantastic to watch. And that's pretty much all you can ask for. And once they're healthy, they're going to be there at the end of the year. They'll have a chance to uh, make some noise in the playoffs. And games like this, they'll be in the rearview mirror. But what happened yesterday, it'll be on our minds for for a long time. But maybe ever-present is how great Kyle Lowry is. And that's maybe the Reggie Evans Award is what I should be talking about now. And that goes to Kyle Lowry. So much effort. He played over 40 minutes in the game against the Mavericks just yesterday. He had, I believe, 40, like 43 minutes played in this one. Pretty much 44 minutes. Going in overtime, he had 30 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists, OG Ananobi, maybe an honorary mention, but he did a really great job, I thought. On the on the glass, he was everywhere. On the defensive glass, he was closing out a lot of possessions. I love to see that. He's got the body to bang around down low a little bit. And you know, I'll always be happy to see that. And for a guy who's not always able to imprint his offense on the game. He always imprints his defense, and if and Ananobi can add rebounding to that as well, he's just becoming a more and more important player for the Raptors, a better player league-wide. So that really is something that's really nice. But the Reggie Evans Award, definitely still going to Kyle Lowry for his effortless effort in this one. No Mitchell Robinson Award. I didn't feel like anything particularly villainous happened in this one, and as I always say, I'm happy when there's no villainous acts. But the top quick reaction comment from... Believe Omi, oh or maybe Believe OMI. Oh all caps. Um doing this in all caps. LOL. Half our team gone. Our two main players are still trying to find rhythm. Eight versus five, clear as day. And we went to OT. I love this team even more. We good boys. On to Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. The uh the Pacers are also missing two of their best players as well. They definitely you know the Pacers played really well. Good for them. Eight versus five. In the first half, I definitely think it was a little bit tough, but I don't think refs ever actually, they very rarely actually impact the game, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows that's how I feel about it. So, yes, the, the whistles were a little bit funky in the first half, but the Pacers made their triples, and that's why the Raptors lost this game. No other reason, really. And sometimes other teams hit a ton of triples. The Pacers, who are 28th in the league in triples made per game, hitting 18 Nineteen threes in a game is just that's tough to deal with because they're also they're big time on the inside of the court as well with Sabonis. So tough game. But yeah, definitely Merry Christmas, happy holiday season to who whomever out there. And uh yeah, Omi or my believe, whatever whatever you got going on there. I'm glad you love the team. I agree we are good and it is on to the Christmas game. Thank you very much for listening, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day. And goodbye.
0: The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Fiera. Here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at myhealthpolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. So he started at myhealthpolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for. And done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans. Or call 1-800-GO-START. That's one 800 go Go start. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com. Not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.